0: Greetings and salutations out there sports fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. I am your host, Michael Shibley, and this is another glorious edition of Of modern day gladiators. Hope you guys are having a wonderful day out there, wherever you may be listening here on the Stage Diver Radio Network. And again, I am Michael Shibley. We got plenty of sports to talk about, plenty of college football and this craziness happening in the Big Ten as a Big Ten stalwart goes down over the weekend. And of course, we find out Alabama still pretty, pretty good. At football. And meanwhile, the WWE Universal Championship has been vacated by Roman Reigns. We will talk more about that, of course, at the end of the show. But first, before we get into everything, let me again say you are listening to Modern Day Gladiators here on the Stage Diver Radio Network. And, of course, you can check out all the great Stage Diver Radio shows at stagediverradio.com. You've got Halfle. You've got j bs DLC, which I will be a guest on next week. So stay tuned for that one, talking some video games. Of course, I'll bring some sports stuff into that as well. So looking forward to being with them on that show. Of course, you've got Scruffy Little Podcast. You've got One Fall or 60 Minutes, People in My Neighborhood, and many more. You can check them all out again at at uh, radio.com Just head there. They've got a great uh, media player, so you can listen to it while you're browsing. And of course, you can check us out wherever you find your great podcast: iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, all those great ones. Check us out. And of course, wherever you listen, please rate, subscribe, comment, all that cool stuff, because the more you interact with us, the better it is for everybody. It really helps us out and get the word out about how great all these podcasts are on the network, so we do appreciate that, and of course, if you want to interact with us through email, you can always check us out at stagediverradio at gmail.com, and of course, you can call us on the hotline, 865-888-0109, and express your concerns there as well. You disagree, you got a question, you want to debate with me, ask it, bring it up. I'll bring up the audio, put it on the podcast, and we will talk about it at length, so I would love to debate some of that stuff with you guys. Also, as well, You can uh, interact with me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Michael underscore Shibley, so check that out. Posting photos and videos and different things and my opinions, of course, as they happen. And, of course, also like the Modern Day Gladiators Facebook page And check us out there because you're going to get videos and more input from me and uh, Terry who produces the show and a lot of other things like that where we interact with you and post other stuff. And, of course, live video reactions of Tennessee games and also my picks for the college football weekend. And breaking news. If something just breaks and is way before we record the podcast, we will talk about it there as well. So get all that stuff out of the way. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty here and break down, of course, the lead topic as it has always been – Going on through the college football season, college football, as we discover Alabama pretty good at the footballs if you really look at it. Um, and Tua a Tug of Ioloa, pretty darn good quarterback. Pretty much, barring some sort of weird injury or something happening in the second half of this season, he's probably going to win the Heisman and he hasn't even thrown a pass yet in the fourth quarter. I was hoping Tennessee might be able to prevent Alabama from scoring on the first possession because they hadn't done that yet. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, Alabama goes out and destroys Tennessee 58-21, uh, to 21, uh, 28 first-quarter points versus the Vols. And Alabama, again, just been dominant in the first quarter. There's uh, outscoring opponents in the first quarter, 165-31, to 31, and that's led to Alabama being up by three touchdowns or more for over 60% of the snaps that Alabama has gone through. That's how dominant Alabama has been has been so far this season and how fast they have just blitzed the opposition and just gotten on them and gotten on them early to a of just can, he throws beautiful balls that are just not what college quarterbacks should be doing. I've seen a lot of great quarterbacks come through Nealon stadium. Of course, Peyton Manning and some of these other guys that have come through and you look at Tua, and Tua is something else. Ken Dorsey with that Miami team that came when Tennessee, for some reason, had Miami as the homecoming opponent. I believe that was back in 2002. Um, that was probably the best team I'd seen come through Neyland Stadium up until maybe this Alabama team. And I, I'm not using that lightly. I hate Alabama. I don't want them to be good. And this could be a special Alabama team. They have been blowing people out. And one of the things that Tennessee fans need to focus on, first of all, what Jeremy Pruitt said, where he's like, hey, we got to recruit, I got to get another batch of 25 players in here. He realizes it, and the players involved in the program right now realize that they're not where they want to be. And these guys are getting better. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. These players are getting better, but Jeremy Pruitt knows if you want to compete with Alabama and compete at the right level with what Georgia's been doing right now. You got to get more players in. You got to get higher caliber players in here. So, what Tennessee fans need to focus on, they don't need to focus on that. They also don't need to focus on Butch Jones and the the video of him getting a Gatorade bath because by the way, Butch Jones is essentially an unpaid analyst. He's like an offensive consultant for Alabama. He's more of an intern because of course he's still getting his buyout from Tennessee, which by the way, I really want a job. Or eventually I suck so bad and destroy something that I'm going to still get millions of dollars to not do that anymore. I would love for that. That is the American dream, it turns out to be. is just be terrible, destroy something, but still get millions of dollars to just not do it anymore. That would be great. I would love to have a job like that. But... You know, don't worry about the Butch Jones stuff. Don't worry about the picture with Butch Jones smoking the cigar at the end because we've discovered through sound bites of the last couple of years and through Butch Jones's actions here that he has no shame. There's no shame in Butch Jones's body at any point. He doesn't realize that he's the reason he's sitting over there on the Alabama sideline because he completely tanked the program. He talked a big game and couldn't back any of it up and the coaching, he coached the worst team in Tennessee football history to eight losses, which we had never had, and he's not realizing that at all. There's no shame, and he has just no qualms about being the reason that he's on the Alabama sideline like that. So don't get mad about that, because it doesn't matter. He has no shame. He's never going to realize it, and we just got to move on, and we got to focus on the last five games of the season, which I have said are all Winnable games. All five of the games that Tennessee plays at South Carolina this week Charlotte, Kentucky, Missouri, and then at Vanderbilt. All of those games are winnable football games for Tennessee. I'm not saying they're going to win all of them. I don't know yet about this South Carolina game. I haven't made my pick for that. Tune in on the, again, the Facebook Live show for that pick when that comes up. But all these games are winnable. South Carolina has not been the team that they were the last couple of years so far charlotte's a definite win they're terrible so tennessee should go out and win that one hopefully very easily kentucky we still don't know we'll see what happens the next couple of weeks they got a game they are actually underdogs even though kentucky is i think ranked in the top 20 still they're still ranked and they've only got one loss but yet, they're an underdog at Missouri, and Missouri's 4-3 and three right now. Missouri, they are good at home, but I don't know how good they really are. They have not shown how great they are on the road yet, so we'll have to see with that one. And then you've got Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt has not lived up to expectations. They have beaten Tennessee 4 out of the last six seasons, so we'll have to see where all that lies. But these games, I believe, are all winnable, so we'll break all those down as we get closer to those. But that's what we need to focus on, is getting this team back to a bowl game. That is, especially after this win against Auburn, that has come back onto the table. Also, I think Garantano is still the starting quarterback for this team. Depending on how hurt he really is, they're saying right now he's good to go for South Carolina. And yeah, Chris came in and did some good things. He threw the ball around, and I thought very well. But I think Garantano just gives you a better chance to win, with the way he can throw the ball and also with his legs a little bit more. I think you have more options with Garantano personally. So I would still ride with Garantano at this point to close out the season because also he could be your quarterback for the next couple of years. So you want to keep that confidence in him as well. So you break all that down. And again, Alabama is blowing everybody out. So again, Tennessee needs to focus on the fact of we beat Auburn the previous week and focus on the fact that we won that game at Auburn much more than we need to focus on getting blown out at Alabama because Al- or against Alabama because Alabama has been doing that to everybody. They've been blowing everybody out. So that's what I would look at if I'm a Tennessee fan and I am. So we will look at that. Meanwhile, in the Big 10, Ohio State was beat down at Purdue 49 to 20. That was a great atmosphere. On Saturday night in Purdue and of course they uh, the game was for uh, they dedicated the game and were motivated the Purdue Boilermakers were by Tyler Trent who they ran the story on ESPN on game day where he is a a Purdue student who's suffering from bone cancer he he, it had uh, come back it had um, it had relapsed and he'd come back into having bone cancer right now it looks like it's terminal unfortunately but they were able to get him there and he was present for the game And they were able just to go up and down the field on Ohio State. The Buckeyes defense, and I know not having Bosa there is big, but there are more glaring problems than not having Bosa, which, by the way, that's coached by Greg Sciano. So I still think Tennessee fans in just openly rejecting Greg Sciano, good job there on the Tennessee fans on that one. Meanwhile, another Tennessee coaching hope that we had had, Jeff Braum, was the head coach here of Purdue, did an awesome job there. And hats off to Jeff Brom for getting Purdue up. And this is a team, Purdue, who lost the first three games of the season, including to Eastern Michigan, which has not been a great team for a long, long time. So you have to look at that. Meanwhile, the Buckeyes offense only ran for 76 yards. As good as their quarterback play is and everything else that Ohio State has going, you're not going to win the Big Ten or compete in the college football playoffs if you can't run the ball at least some and they're gonna have to figure that out because they are not looking good right now in that area and when ohio state loses and urban meyer again has had a great record at ohio state but when they lose they lose bad they got this beat down at purdue last season they got just destroyed at iowa Clemson just blew and sh- blew and, bleh, blew and shut them out and in the college football playoff. All these different things. So when they lose, they lose big. Uh, but we will see where Ohio State goes. It looks like right now the Big Ten it's going to boil down to that Michigan-Ohio State game at the end of the season. Really, if you have any chance of one of these teams going to the college football playoff. I know Iowa still has one loss and some of the other teams... But really, it's going to come down to Ohio State and Michigan, and right now it looks like Michigan is trending upwards, and Ohio State is trending downwards, at least as far as this season goes. And Michigan did a great job of taking care of, as they call them, little brother there at Michigan State. The rivalry atmosphere was big. You had a Michigan player, you know, kicking and tearing up the Michigan State Spartan logo before the game. Good, good trash talk and good things like that. Always good in a nice, healthy rivalry, like. Michigan-Michigan State is. Meanwhile, the Tennessee-Alabama rivalry. Tennessee has now lost 12 games to Alabama, which is the most Tennessee has lost to any team consecutively. And we'll see how that goes in the seasons to come. Hopefully, we can resurrect that problem. But, uh, ugh. Anyway, back to, sorry, I was having doom and gloom thoughts of losing to Alabama that many times in a row. It's not fun. I was a student, I was a grad student at UT in 2006, the last time they beat Alabama. I was in Neyland Stadium, so that's how long this has been. Ugh, but you look at some of the other teams that maybe have a shot going into the playoff. With Ohio State's loss, the Big 12 can now be back in the playoff. They might need Notre Dame to lose depending on how things shape up there, but it looks like really Texas and Oklahoma. West Virginia still has one loss. They can get themselves back in it, Uh, but West Virginia, Texas, or Oklahoma, I think are going to have to run the table. Uh, The best chance would be if Texas and Oklahoma both make the Big 12 title to game both, I think, with one loss, and then the other one just beats the snot out of the other one to prove that they belong in the college football playoff. The SEC, you've got Alabama and LSU in two weeks, and both of those teams are on a bye, so they're going to be nice and rested up. I think LSU might have the best shot coming against Alabama. Alabama's secondary, I think, is much, much better than most of the other teams in the SEC. They've got tall defensive backs that aren't going to get blown away by some of the young talent that Alabama has in their receiving core, so that should be a big game. I do think the only way the SEC gets two teams into the playoff is if one of them beats Alabama, because the way the scenarios work, if LSU loses, then they're not going to win the SEC West, so they're not really going to have a chance, and they'll have two losses, and Georgia, the only way they're going to get in at this point is if they run the table and beat Alabama in the SEC championship game, because if they lose, they'll have two losses, so someone's going to have to beat Alabama, and right now I don't see that happening. Meanwhile, in the Pac-12, I don't think they really have a chance at the playoff at this point anymore. Uh, even though it was a great atmosphere for game day on the Palouse there in Washington state, it had been, f- they hadn't been there in f- the 15 years that they'd had the streak with old crimson, the Washington state flag you see at every game day for the last 15 years, which has been awesome. It was a wonderful atmosphere there. And Mike Leach, the pirate, uh, getting the Washington Cougars to beat Oregon there. That was wonderful. Washington state still has a tough road to go, uh, as they 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 have to go. At Stanford, they've got Washington. They've still got a lot of t- tough games uh, heading their way. If they can run the table and still have one loss, maybe they have an outside chance to the playoff, but I do think a lot of these other teams have to lose, including Central Florida. Even though, yeah, they've been undefeated this whole time, that they go through the season undefeated, they've still got to have a lot of these other teams with two losses, and they've got to jump all of them. That's about the only way Central Florida is going to have a chance to get into the playoff. Out of Outside of Alabama, I think the best team so far now, especially with Ohio State losing, has been Clemson. Clemson looks like, with Trevor Lawrence, has righted the ship, and uh, they just demolished NC State. That was a beatdown uh, that Clemson gave to the Wolfpack there, and it looks like Clemson would be again. And as we've seen, they're the best challenge to Alabama, and they've played each other now three times in the college football playoff the last three years. They just need to probably... Clemson and Alabama just need to be on the regular season schedule against each other because they just play each other every year. And right now it looks like they might meet in the finals again. Uh, So that wraps up all the big stuff we were talking with college football. But let's go to some of the craziness that happened in some of the smaller games that you might not have been paying attention to in college football. The first one was the Battle of the Wagon Wheel which is Akron versus Kent State there in Ohio in the MAC, some big action going on. Akron beat Kent State 24 to 23 in overtime to win the wagon wheel. And you think, oh, okay, one point game, uh, something interesting must have happened. It did happen in overtime. Uh, Kent State lost in probably the most Kent State way possible. They were ready and lined up to kick the extra point, and then the snapper bobbled the snap. They didn't even get the extra point off. They then tried to scramble and maybe get a two-point play that did not happen and the game's over and Akron wins in overtime on a botched extra point meanwhile the craziest ending so far this season happened between Old Dominion and Western Kentucky whoo this was a wild one and ODU has already upset Virginia Tech this season but ODU I give a shout out to some of my Virginia Beach friends who are alums of ODU out there uh man crazy. Let me run this down and try and make this as simple as possible. Old Dominion tied the game with a touchdown with nine seconds left. ODU does a squib kick and kicks it short, which I hate. I hate squib kicks. I think they're dumb. We need to get rid of them. Tennessee's had enough problems with squib kicks over their time, Uh, but anyway, squib kick, and then Western Kentucky gets uh, like a 21-yard run with now there's two seconds left in the game, and that sets up for them to have a Hail Mary pass to heave into the end zone. The pass uh, falls incomplete. Doesn't matter, though, because Western Kentucky was uh, given a uh, roughing the passer penalty on ODU. ODU roughed the Western Kentucky passer, so now there's no time left on the clock. It moved Western Kentucky in 15 more yards. Now they could try a 57-yard field goal. It was short. Should be over. Now, still no time left on the clock. These are all untimed downs after what I'm talking about here. ODU had 12 men on the field. They had a 5-yard penalty, which moved them to a 52-yard field goal. That one was short, but ODU had a player back to try and return it, so like the kick-six against Auburn. He gets pretty close. He runs about 87, 83 yards before he was finally tackled, and they're like, okay, game's over. Now it's time to go to overtime. Nope. Western Kentucky was called for a face mask on the return, which then set up ODU to make a chip shot field goal to win the game. So all of this happened with no time left on the clock. These were all untimed downs because of penalties, which was just insane. What a what a crazy way for this to happen. It, it's mind-boggling, and it's one of the reasons I love college football, because you're never going to see an ending like that in the NFL. I can't imagine that Anyway. Meanwhile, looking forward to this week, we've got some big games going forward. We've got the 9th-ranked Florida Gators and the 7th-ranked Georgia Bulldogs meeting in Jacksonville in the game formerly known as the World's Largest Outdoor Cocktail Party. You've got Iowa and Penn State matching up in a a top-20 matchup there. That one should just, you know, pretty much be an eliminator to any types of hope, even though Penn State now has two losses. Iowa still has just the one, but definitely an eliminator if Iowa loses. Washington State coming off this big win against Oregon. Now they have to travel to Santa Clara to take on Stanford. They're heading to the farm there to take on the 24th-ranked Stanford Cardinal. So some big college football action as always, and of course we'll break all of that down here on Modern Day Gladiators. Switching gears to wrap up this first segment, of course, postseason baseball. We're at the World Series, ladies and gentlemen, and I could not have been more wrong with my picks. I picked <laughs> the Astros, and I picked the Brewers, and I was wrong. It's the Dodgers and Red Sox, So, which is probably good ratings-wise for Major League Baseball. As I mentioned last week, uh, two premier teams, uh, the Dodgers... Are uh, They have now in their 20th World Series, which I believe is the second most all-time, to the Yankees. This is the first World Series that they've played against each other since 1916. You'd think these two big programs and franchises in baseball would have played each other more often in the World Series. That has not been the case the last time they played again. 1916, the Red Sox still had Babe Ruth on that team. They beat the Dodgers in that series, and they weren't even the Dodgers then. They were the Brooklyn Robins. At that point, Uh, they had not become the Brooklyn Dodgers. And then, of course, the Los Angeles Dodgers. So should be an interesting series. I'm really excited to watch it. Uh, Again, two big traditional franchises. Um, Of course, we might not have had that because of what happened in Game 4 of the American League Championship Series between the Houston Astros and the Red Sox. Uh, Jose Altuve in Game 4, he had hit a ball, looked like to be a home run. And Mookie Betts went back to catch it and reached up, and the ball bounced off his glove, and we all thought it was a home run or at least a double. It was ruled an out because of fan interference. Of course, Joe West was the umpire because, of course, obviously, we always want to see what the umpires are doing, and we care about the umpires so much, especially Cowboy Joe West. The guy needs to get away from baseball. He's the most attention hog umpire I have ever seen in my life. He needs to go away. Replay showed, or at least they couldn't see if the ball had gone over the fence enough to be ruled really a home run. I personally thought it was. I don't know if really fans even touched the ball as much as they were saying. I would have given him at least a double, not a home run, just by the way things went. And again, I flashback being a Baltimore Orioles fan to Jeffrey Mayer back in 1996. Uh, With that one, obviously Jeffrey Mayer reached over. They didn't have instant replay back then, but that was ruled a home run, which just infuriated me. And of course, Bartman happened back in 2003 with the Chicago Cubs. So just harkens back to those terrible memories. Um, Not as bad, though, for the Astros because they did win the World Series last year, so it still sucks. Trust me, I believe it still sucks for them, but the sting is not as bad as, say, Bartman with the Cubs, even though the Cubs fans completely overreacted in that one, and then the Baltimore Orioles getting hosed with the Jeffrey Mayer incident as well. So, But anyway, we've got the World Series. Red Sox-Dodgers should be a very interesting matchup. I think it's going to be very high scoring. Both teams have really good offense, even though both teams are supposed to have really good pitchers with Price and Sale and Ryu and Kershaw and all these guys. But I think it's going to be... Really high scoring, and that's what the Red Sox have been doing all season. They have been outscoring people, and I think that's going to carry over to this World Series. Uh, My prediction, I've got the Red Sox in six games. I think it'll be exciting. I think it'll be very high scoring, but I do have the Red Sox winning this World Series in six games. It'll be, I believe, their fourth World Series since 2004, so we'll see what happens. The Dodgers have not won one since 1988, so I would love to see the Dodgers win it. But I've got the Red Sox in six games. That's going to wrap up this first half of the Modern Day Gladiators podcast. Stick around. We'll break down shibbles and bits and big news in the world of wrestling. Coming up after the break, you're listening again to the Modern Day Gladiators podcast here on the Stage Diver Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody, to Modern Day Gladiators. Thank you guys for sticking with us. And as always, I am your humble host, Michael Shibley. Let's hit up all the other sports news that has fallen through the cracks. This is Shibbles and Bits. Starting, of course, with the NFL Week 7. And, of course, crazy action again. NFL, again, has had a lot of really good games going on this season. It still looks like the Chiefs, the Patriots, and the Rams, still the best teams out there in the world of the NFL, which, hey, that's okay. Totally okay with that. It's just kind of cool to see the Chiefs recover from the great game they had against the Patriots, uh, blowing out the Cincinnati Bengals. The Patriots survive a Hail Mary against the Bears. They were about one yard short there. The guy caught it, tried to lean in, but about five Patriots met the receiver one yard short, so they were not able to get in and force overtime. Meanwhile, the Rams still undefeated and blowing out the 49ers, my 49ers, uh, not looking good, especially since Jimmy Garoppolo is uh, not there anymore to bail them out. Meanwhile, it was crazy to see uh, the Baltimore uh, kicker, Tucker, he missed his first ever career extra point. He had made his previous 222 in a row, and that's significant because... That's what lost them the game. They lost by one point to the Saints, missing that extra point at the end. The Carolina Panthers scoring 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter to beat the Eagles. The Eagles on rocky ground now might even have a chance of missing the playoffs. And, of course, they were the defending Super Bowl champions. So not looking good for the Eagles. Meanwhile, the Redskins beat the Cowboys after a missed field goal. It got moved back five yards because... The uh, they were called for a false snark, false false snark, false start for a snap infraction. Easy enough for me to say, <laughs> which made the Cowboys fans and Jerry Jones and everybody very unhappy. But hey, for once a call goes against the Cowboys, I am shocked. I tell you, shocked. I say, so I was pretty happy to see that happen. Uh, not a big Redskins fan, but I don't like the Cowboys at all. So I will give the Redskins the one there a lot of great action as always in the NFL as we get to the halfway point coming up in the NFL season maybe Le'Veon Bell will finally show up he has not reported to practice as of this recording with the Steelers that is just a mess over there so but we'll see But again, the games have been much better this season so far in the NFL. We had a two-point conversion try that was missed for the Titans as they lost to the Chargers in London. So, great stuff all day long on Sunday. So, good things there to have the NFL back with some very good games, which again, as I mentioned last week, has helped with the ratings going back up. So, that makes me very happy. Uh, Going over to the NBA as the NBA season has gotten underway. Big news, though, with the NBA talking about the G League, which is the developmental league there in the NBA, kind of a minor league system there for the NBA. They are now going to offer, starting in 2019, select contracts. Uh, They're going to be worth $125,000. Uh, for high school kids coming out that are at least 18 years old and not yet eligible for the NBA draft. Because right now the NBA still, the rule is you have to be a year out, you have to be 19 years old essentially to join and be eligible to be drafted into the NBA. Hence the one and done things that have been happening in college basketball where these elite high school players play for one year in college and then go right to the NBA after that. So it, it... It's a way, I guess, to maybe alleviate and challenge the NCAA one-and-done rule, Uh, and again, this comes in $125,000, but it's only for the first year that they are ineligible to go into the NBA. After that, if they're still in the G League, they're going to go back down to whatever the G League contracts normally are, Um, but it gives them, again, a different option than playing overseas, and a little bit more money that they wouldn't normally get, of course, playing in college, but again, that's up for debate as the... NCAA fraud case and all these other shoe company cases and everything else going on there with the NCAA continues, that's something that's been happening. I like seeing this, I don't know how much it's going to challenge because when you look at the G League, the talent that you really see in the G League honestly isn't there as much as it is at these elite college programs, I mean if you're some of these one and done guys at Duke, you're going to play North Carolina, you're going to play teams like Michigan State in non-conference games and Kansas and all this other stuff. So you're going to see a lot of that, where with the G League, you're not going to see it as much. And also you're playing against guys, the average age of G Leaguers is 25 years old, so they're more grown men than you're really getting in college. And I know the one and done, you look at guys like LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, they were ready to play in the NBA Because again, with the NBA, it's not like the NFL where you really are playing against grown men once you get to the NFL compared to some of the young rookies in the NBA. But also, you got to see these G League guys, the average, again, the average age 25 years old, the average salary in the G League is $35,000. And you get these young elite select guys and these select contracts and they're $125,000. That could be some rifts there as well. Of course, minor league baseball has had to deal with this for decades, so we'll kind of see how this works in. The NBA looks to be changing their age limit. It looks like when the next round of collective bargaining comes up in 2022, I wish it wasn't going to take that long, but that's what it looks like is going to happen. I wish it was more like the NHL where they're like, hey, we're changing the rule. That would make me feel a hell of a lot better, and I think it would make a lot of people feel a hell of a lot better as well, but that's just not what they're choosing to do, so this is the rules we've got, and that's what we're going to stick with. Meanwhile, also in the NBA, the first real dust-up of the young NBA season happened. Uh, Brandon Ingram, was uh, he shoved James Harden, even though James Harden was the one who fouled Brandon Ingram, shoved him, and then Chris Paul and Rajon Rondo got into an altercation, Rajon Rondo maybe spit at Chris Paul we have the zoom in video to see maybe a little spittle came out uh, and then Ingram tried to throw a sucker punch but missed and then just a big dust up which was a bad look because it happened in Los Angeles with now LeBron being in LA with the Lakers you see that happening that's not good optics for the NBA to start the season But again, Chris Paul and Rajon Rondo have been instigators for a long time. Uh, Brandon Ingram, he was suspended the most at four games. I'm sure if that punch, that sucker punch he threw, had connected, he would have been suspended for more. Uh, Chris Paul was suspended two games, Rajon Rondo three games. Hopefully everybody calms down and these don't happen much more this season. Moving to baseball. Some justice, finally, for something happening that should never happen. And this is just an annoying story. A former Detroit Tigers food vendor has pled guilty to one felony and one misdemeanor count of food law violations because he was recorded on Instagram and video spitting on a pizza that he allegedly sold to somebody. This, again, it's disgusting and it should never, ever happen. The fact that someone was dumb enough to record it, or if he was dumb enough to record it, the video shows uh, Jalen Curley, I believe is his name, Uh, spitting on the food. Uh, This happened back in September, I believe, when the Tigers were playing the Kansas City Royals. Uh, He was immediately fired after the video surfaced, and rightfully so, and arrested and charged with these counts. He's pled guilty. Um, The sentencing is happening November 15th. Of course, we will see what his punishment is. He could get up to four years in prison, and I think, again, he should be punished. He needs to go to prison for this, I personally think, because... Again, you want to stop the dumb behavior like fans throwing beer and a UT fan unfortunately throwing ice at Nick Saban over the weekend. You want to stop fans and vendors and things from doing stuff like this. You need to punish them and put them in prison. They need prison time because, again, I personally think you should put them in the stocks. We talked about this last week. You need to put people like that in the stocks and have a little public humiliation and then this... These instances wouldn't happen as much. That's what I think needs to happen. They won't do that. They'll put him in prison instead. But I personally think uh, if you punish them and put him in the stocks and a little public humiliation, I think that would do him some good. But I do think this guy needs to go to prison. Speaking of prison, USA Gymnastics, it is still an absolute dumpster fire when you look at everything going on there. Interim President Mary Bono... She resigned after four days on the job. Bono, she was associated with a law firm that had advised USA Gymnastics during the Nassar scandal. The optics there, just not good. Uh, being involved and again, Allie Raceman and Simone Biles and some of the other girls that uh, accused Larry Nassar of the terrible, terrible things that he did. Um... Like, why are you hiring someone from the law firm that helped USA Gymnastics cover up everything that happened? And I agree with them. That's just stupid and terrible and should have never happened. She should have never been offered the job, let alone take it. And that's just a mess. Meanwhile, uh, you look at some of the other interim presidents they'd had. Carrie Perry was only on the job for nine months. Uh, Meanwhile, former USA Gymnastics president Steve Perry, he was arrested... You're just up the road from where I am in Knoxville in Gatlinburg, Tennessee after a grand jury in Texas indicted him on evidence tampering and, again, trying to cover things up. Just terrible optics. I have said this since this scandal really came to light more with all the testifying. They just need to burn down everything with the USA Gymnastics. The board had already resigned, and now you've got all these presidents who have just – the optics are terrible with it and people that shouldn't be involved with it who are – need to get rid of it. You need to burn it down, start new. Obviously, some people have suggested this, and I agree with them. Get Allie Raisman, Simone Biles, and some of these other girls who have been with USA Gymnastics forever. Get them to run things. And, I mean, they seem to have more, you know, integrity than anybody else involved with this. I don't know how well they would know, of course, how to run the business of USA Gymnastics, but I think they'd be better than the people they've been bringing in. Put them in, put them in charge, and maybe some good would come of all of this, but it's just a mess, and they need to get, they just need to get someone, honestly, unless you're going to get some of the gymnastic, the gymnast to run it, you need to get someone who has no connection with gymnastics, really, to be involved at the top, and then start working it way in, and that's about the only way you're going to recover from all of this terrible things that have been happening with USA Gymnastics, Switching to tennis real quick, there are going to be no long marathon matches at Wimbledon anymore as they have finally added final set tiebreakers because after what had happened between uh, Anderson and Isner in the semifinal uh, over last year's Wimbledon, which went six hours and 35 minutes marathon, and then of course you had the Isner-Mahoot marathon that happened a few years ago where the final set went Uh, 70-68 to games. The final set lasted over three days. You're not going to have that anymore. They're finally going to put in a tiebreaker at the final set if the final set gets to 12 games to 12. Uh, So you don't have to win by two games anymore. You finally can get to the tiebreaker, just like they have at the U.S. Open. Um, I like it because, again, just the way the serving, especially in the men's game, happens where they just can't break anybody. I like this move, again, 12 games to 12, it's two extra sets, really, that you've got there, it's a whole extra set if 12-12, because normally they would go to a tiebreak at 6-6, now the fact that you've moved it to 12-12, I like that, it still gives them a chance to win straight up with winning two games, uh, the final set, but just get the tiebreaker, get these games over with, because that's just exhausting to watch. And yeah, it's, it's a marathon, but it's just not fun until the end. So just get to that. And finally, some good news, too, for Tennessee fans, as the AP uh, preseason basketball poll has come out, you've got the usual people. Up at the top, you've got Kansas, number one, with 37 uh, first place votes. Kentucky, of course, number two, with 19 first place votes. Then you've got Gonzaga and Duke, Virginia, and then at number six, your Tennessee Volunteers are number one. The Vols, of course, looking to go farther in the NCAA tournament after losing to Loyola Chicago in the second round. as the of course the Ramblers made it to the Final Four last year. And Tennessee, of course, looking to repeat as SEC champions. They shared it with Auburn, who actually comes in at the preseason poll ranked 11th. Uh, you also have, after Tennessee, you've got Nevada at number seven. North Carolina at number 8, Villanova number 9, Michigan State 10, and then of course you have Auburn. A couple other SEC teams in the top 25, Mississippi State at 18, and LSU at 23. So again, the SEC finally looks like they have turned the corner after years of being Kentucky and then everybody else. You've got some of these other teams that are making the NCAA tournament, and hopefully again the Vols with... Williams and Schofield and Turner and all these other guys that they've got it was fun to watch the Vols last year hopefully again it'll be fun to watch them I'm excited and terrified at the same time because now we have expectations Tennessee was picked to finish 13th out of 14 teams in the SEC last year they're not sneaking up on anybody this year but hopefully the Vols will again be able to carry it and carry that fight Feed the floor like they always say, and hopefully, Rick Barnes can get these guys to live up to expectations this season and get them to contend again for another SEC championship and make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. And, of course, give the guys plenty of time to play much more games of Settlers of Catan, which, of course, they've been playing all season long last year, and hopefully, they play it much more again this year. I love Settlers of Catan. My family, we played at Thanksgiving and Christmas, so hats off to those guys, and hopefully, they get to play much more of that and be ranked all season long, and hopefully around the top 10 all season long. Big season here for the Vols. Looking forward to it. of course, we'll break down all of that on Modern Day Gladiators as the basketball season kicks off. We're going to finish, of course, things as we always do here on Modern Day Gladiators. Let's get into the ring. Let's get into that arena, and let's talk wrestling. Big news happening last night as we record this on Tuesday. On Monday Night Raw, it came out that Roman Reigns has to vacate the Universal Championship as uh, he has had now a reemergence of leukemia, so he's going to be going under treatment for leukemia. This is an unfortunate thing. He had battled leukemia before in his life. That's what actually ended his football career uh, with Georgia Tech. Uh, and he battled that, and it had, he had been uh, the cancer had been in remission and had been gone since 2008 when he started into, uh, the world of professional wrestling, but it looks like now leukemia has come back into his life. Uh, and again, we've had, and I've talked about this and documented it many times on the podcast that I am not a fan of the way that Roman Reigns had been booked and the pushes and different things that he had gotten, uh, through all of this. And that's where a lot of the fan backlash had come through with Roman Reigns, but you know, this is a different animal. And as much as I think the Superman punch is a meaningless and stupid finishing move, I do think he is able to hopefully garner all the Superman punch energy that he's got and put all the force into it where now he can Superman punch leukemia into submission because it's a terrible disease and I'm rooting for him. And hopefully he's able to come back and be another dominant force with the WWE. But that leaves us now with apparently Crown Jewel still happening of course, we'll talk about that next week more if it's still going to be happening. I'm honestly very surprised that it is with the WWE, with again all the details that have come out with the death of you know Washington Post columnist and of course uh, dissident of the Saudi Arabian government, uh, Jamal Khashoggi, uh, of course a United States uh, resident here. And all the terrible things that happened, you can, of course, check out all of those things. But, again, Crown Jewel is this WWE event that's going to be taking place November 2nd there in Saudi Arabia. The fact that it's still taking place again shows with the WWE. Again, they're one of the big and the biggest face in this whole arm that Saudi Arabia has been showing with trying to show that they're – getting trying to get away from the oil business and trying to show that they're more progressive as you if you watched the greatest royal rumble which i did and they you know with almost propaganda like reverence showing hey you know everything's more progressive here in Saudi Arabia and all these other things watching all of that it's amazing though where it seems like and again i don't believe personally i don't believe Saudi Arabia's story about really what happened there in the embassy um, and you talk about they're trying to put this progressive face on everything you, you know they allowing women to drive yet most of the women that were pro- protesting the fact that they had not been allowed to drive for all these years most of them are still in prison or worse uh, with Saudi Arabia so it'll be interesting I'll talk of course more about what I think is going to happen and we'll see if it's still going on again the WWE the WWE is not mentioning Saudi Arabia. They're just saying crown jewel. They're not mentioning where it is. So that I think is a big indicator of that. They're currently monitoring the situation. Um, Meanwhile, of course you still have the tag team match between DX and the brothers of destruction, which of course part of the brothers of destruction is Kane who is an elected official. He is the mayor here in Knox County and he is going to be there in Saudi Arabia as this is still going on. Of course, Part of the promo last night on Raw that they had was them shoveling dirt on Graves, which is not good optics after what has been happening there in Saudi Arabia and the whole instance uh, and the uh, killing of Jamal Khashoggi. So you have that going on. Meanwhile, again, the Universal Championship was supposed to be on the line in a triple threat match between Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman, and Roman Reigns. Now that will be uh, Brock versus Strowman for the vacant Universal Championship We'll see. Personally, and again, based on just the wrestling going on, I really hope that I don't want Brock Lesnar around the championship anymore. He should just be like Andre the Giant. I've said this many times, like a special uh, special attraction like Andre the Giant was back in the day. I don't want him holding on to this championship and only defending it when he feels like it. I would rather have Braun Strowman either win it there in Saudi Arabia, which I guess would just move on from him winning the Greatest Royal Rumble, which he did back at the first Saudi Arabia event that they had, and if they don't do that, do some sort of non-finish or DQ finish, and then have a tournament to determine the new Universal Champion at Survivor Series, all this stuff going on, Uh, again, the optics are not good, and we'll see what the PR hit for the WWE will be if they really choose to go. Uh some of the other things that happened on Raw last night Dean Ambrose turning heel immediately after winning the tag team championships with his uh with his Shield stablemate Seth Rollins so they're champions tag team champions together but Dean Ambrose giving dirty deeds a couple of times including once on the concrete floor to Seth Rollins uh so that's an interesting storyline we'll see where that one goes Uh, Meanwhile, after all this, and of course, Crown Jewel, not having any women on the card as well, including back in the Greatest Royal Rumble, there were no women on the card there as well, but it's okay because the WWE is having their Evolution pay-per-view this Sunday, and we'll talk about that here a little bit, this is the all-women pay-per-view that they're having, of course, on pay-per-view and the WWE Network Uh, Let's run down the card real quick in my picks. The Women's Battle Royal, so everybody, of course, not an individual match, will be taking place in that one. Uh, The winner of this Battle Royal will get a championship match uh, at some point in the future. I'm going to go with Nia Jax. Uh, We'll go with The Force there, and maybe that will continue if Ronda Rousey is able to retain her championship Later on, you know, their match was interrupted by Alexa Bliss cashing in her money in the bank. I'd love to see Ronda Rousey and Nia Jax in a title match uh, later on down the road. Some of the other cards, you've got a three uh, uh, six-man or six-woman tag match as Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Natalya will take on the Riot Squad. I, They've just apparently, again, ignored the Bailey-Sasha Banks feud that has been going on forever, it seems like. I'm gonna go with the Riot Squad getting the win here by nefarious means, and maybe Sasha Banks and Bailey will finally just start fighting and actually have a feud carrying into WrestleMania. I have no idea. I'm just gonna go with the Riot Squad in that one. Trish Stratus and Lita, the two Hall of Famers, taking on Alexa Bliss and Mickie James. I'm gonna go with the Hall of Famers, Stratus and Lita getting the win in that one. The UK, uh, the NXT UK Women's Championship will be on the line in that one. Uh, we haven't seen, again, in any type of WWE programming. I'm assuming there had been tapes of it that has been happening as now they've got NXT UK going on on the WWE Network, so I don't have a winner for that one because we don't have a champion, at least crowned as of yet with the tapings and everything. Or it, There's been one that's been taped, but it has not been known officially. Uh, the 2018 May Young Classic Finals will be happening. Tony Storm... And Ayo will be in that one. I'm going to go with the Australian, Tony Storm. Ayo uh, has been great as well. It's been a fun tournament. It has not been as good, I think, as last year's tournament overall. But it has been entertaining. Uh, Tony Storm, of course, lost in the semifinals last year. And now she's in the finals. I like her getting the win over Ayo Shirai. Also for the fact that a, uh, a Japanese woman won it last year in Kairi Sane. So kind of going, though, with Tony Storm. Tony Storm looks like a star. Both these women, Shirai and Storm, look like ready-made stars, ready to make an impact here in women's wrestling uh, with the WWE. So that should be a really good match. The NXT Women's Championship on the line, a rematch of the 2017 Mae Young Classic Finals, Shayna Baszler and Kairi Sane. Of course, they also fought for the championship at the last NXT TakeOver, and Kairi Sane getting the roll-up win over Baszler there, so that should be a really good match. The two of them seem to have really good chemistry together and should be another awesome match there, but of course the two main main roster titles on the line Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair doing battle again over the SmackDown Women's Championship I want Becky Lynch to get the win again I think she deserves it, she has become one of the most over wrestlers on the roster male or female so I like Becky Lynch to get the win and retain the championship there and then Ronda Rousey versus Nikki Bella they're selling it as Nikki Bella is some sort of threat of course they're going to be using Brie Bella I'm sure in that one but I've got Ronda Rousey getting the win in that one and retaining the Raw Women's Championship so all in all should be a very entertaining event hopefully it will be and I'm excited to see it as well. But that's going to wrap it up for me here on this edition of the Modern Day Gladiators podcast. Again, like, subscribe, share, find us on Facebook and Twitter, and everywhere you get your podcast, you can download it. Love you guys. I am Michael Shibley signing out. Love you. Too sweet. I will see you next time.